welcome to a new episode of Time to Shine. This is your host, Oscar Santolaya. Time to Shine presents you interviews with successful public speakers who share their experience and secrets with you in a weekly podcast. Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to talk with a fascinating lady, Julie Kertetz. She's right now in London. She's going to talk with us. One of the most amazing things I know from her is that she started to do stand-up comedy when she was 77 years old. Julie, how are you? Hello. Thank you. I am very well. It is morning in Greenwich and raining, but a beautiful weather when we can spoke with you. Thank you very much for, for being with us today. Could you tell us more about yourself? Yes, I, I was a very serious lady once, but now at almost 80, I am single and ready to mingle. <laughs> I have two children, five grandchildren. I am very proud of them. And I wrote a diary from the age of 10. I had a lot of things in my life, a lot of ups and downs, so I have a lot of stories to tell. And now in London, I feel very much home because I was every, all my life different. But we are so many different people here in London. So I am, I feel very home between them. And lastly, I found my tribe in London between um, 50 Toastmaster clubs and uh, I can go from one to other and everywhere I feel very welcome. As between the audience, which I really love. Six years ago, when I told my first icebreaker, its title was, and the ice did not break. Mm -hmm. And I fall in love with the audience. And they give me back. Yeah, that's that's wonderful, and it's nice that you that you mentioned that you have been doing your diaries. It's, it's a it's a nice tradition that I haven't hear so many people that do it um, nowadays. I haven't never done it. But it's a really I begin nice in Budapest at age ten during the Second World War, and I never stopped. Wow. And now you are blogging, right? Now I am um, blogging day by day and write more in my blogs and in my under my photos that in my diaries. But I still continue. Wonderful. Julie, when did you start speaking in public? As far as I remember, my first speaking um, in public was during my PhD, which was very late, in my 43 year, I was 43 year old, and a friend of mine told me, you should do that, you have talent. But I didn't see at all how can I speak in public until I went after PhD to Washington, and that was 35 years ago I discovered a Toastmaster club, 
And in the Toastmaster Club, they told me the first time, stand up and speak about yourself one mm-hmm. minute. And that was the first time I was completely paralyzed <laughs> and afraid. But the last time also. Because a few months later, I was invited to teach chemistry in American University in Washington. And because of Toastmaster, I had the courage to do it. And did for six months. Mm-hmm. And then later, I went back to Paris and I had to change profession. Mm-hmm. And as I tell in my stand-up comedy, I was never a dealer. I was a distributor of computer products. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to about my the products I sold, in which I believed. And I had no more problem with audience. But only when I came to London, I really began to speak regularly and to tell my stories in theater and in my clubs, the ups and downs of my life. And I discovered that more you get personal, more you open yourself, best the public understand because they are usually deep human problems which they can resonate. For example, Mm -hmm. when I speak about um, the war which caught with me up when I was 10, and that was the second time I was really afraid, but just before, not when I spoke, in Manchester there were 500 in the town hall listening to me. I tried and put in my childhood feelings, I wanted to go with my doll and I was very angry to my mother because she didn't let me. And put that feeling of child which we all feel mm-hmm. to ask our parents made generalized and people begin to feel with me. As well as the pleasure to hold someone's hand. The next question is, besides a stand-up comedy, is there anything else that you have learned only in the last past years? For uh, What about photography? Yes. Uh, when I was 70 years old, I wanted to be to a writer conference and they told me my English is not good enough. But why shouldn't you take photo lessons? <laughs> so I did, and I took um, in Paris documentary photography lessons and um, fall in love with photography from the time I bought my first digital camera. And now on uh, Flickr website, I have more than 60,000 photos. Wow. And every day, I have 10,000 hits. Hmm. Ten, around, sometimes only 7,000, sometimes 15,000 come to see my photography from all over the world. 
Well, and you're, that, you're a Flickr superstar already. Uh, there are many. <laughs> but yes, about 60 of my photos have been favorited more than 100 times. I don't know exactly why some people love me. For example, my portrait, auto-portrait with very bad hair day, which is a funny one, or a big fish, which is very unhappy in the fish market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, there are some flowers also. Yeah, I saw But some mostly of them. I like portraits. Mm-hmm. I like to communicate with people on the street. Mm-hmm. I see them and they see me back and we communicate with each other quite well. Also with photos, wow. Julie, you mentioned already in when you when you were talking about your your how you evolve as a speaker about stage fright, but could you tell us one stage fright experience that you remember? The one I remember best was the first time I had to stand up in the Toastmaster Club. I went there not to learn speaking in public, but to meet men because <laughs> I was lonely and divorced just newly. But what I really took from it because men I didn't find, <laughs> I, I found <laughs> wonderful people, of course. Uh, but um, what I learned to have courage. But the first day, it was so frightening that 30 years later, I went back to Washington, the same club, and I remembered the chair where I sit, the place where I sit when they told me to stand up and speak. But perhaps that was the last time I was really afraid. Mm-hmm. Because if not, I love people and I love communicating with them. And I think somehow they feel that I'm friendly and they give me back that energy. And coming back to the to the topic of stand-up comedy, do you think is it really fun to do stand-up comedy gigs? Do you always have fun doing it? I always have pleasure to make people laugh or try to make them laugh, but most of the time I really do make them laugh. (laughs) Even if they are only two or if they are 150, communicating and making them laugh from the profound experience, because in my stand-up comedy I also tell personal frustrations I have a big high every Mm -hmm. time I do it. Not fun, but high. Pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see the the reaction of the audience. I watched some of your videos and I had fun myself and I could see the, the audience really having a lot of fun being in front of you. And I use I use the my age, mm-hmm. which was, should have could have been against me. It is playing with me because things that they would be normal from a young, they seem 
more funny from an uh, older lady. True. As you do on, not only stand-up comedy, but also workshops and keynote speeches, could you tell us which one requires more preparation among these? Yes, uh, there are very different preparation. For the stand-up, I tell almost the same routine over and over and over again. Now more than 77 times in different places. But always trying to find new routines to add to it. And the most important is that until I was 77, I didn't believe I was funny at all. <laughs> and then I discovered that I have funny bones and I begin to look around me with a comedian eye and every time something bad happens to me, I lose teeth or I uh, broke a leg or whatever happens, I begin to think, how can I present it in a funny way? So I all the time work on my comedy. And I learn it usually word by word because mm -hmm. in stand-up comedy, every the place of every word counts. But for the keynote, I try to find first what is the most important message and learn a backbone of the stories I want to tell and then try to adapt it to the audience on the spot and improvise also. For a workshop, I all the time prepare to improve it. And only two days, two years ago, I was to all the way to Las Vegas to a workshop to learn better comedy. And last year I was in Los Angeles to learn to tell better um, keynotes. So I, I don't stop learning in order to be able to improve teaching. What about when you start doing startup comedy? Why you didn't start earlier? You, you never thought about that before? I was convinced I was not funny. <laughs> I was convinced I cannot make people laugh even if it happened one or twice, but mm -hmm. I thought it was just a chance somehow. <laughs> and I didn't know tricks and techniques to make them laugh when I wanted. Mm -hmm. Sure. So then I went in, when I was 77, I told a story which was called Mistaken Identity about how I changed from a research chemist to founding a computer product distributor company, which was very apropos at the time when the, so many people had to change their work in 2009 and 10. And people begin to laugh because I applied some techniques which I had seen um, Toastmasters in a competition use mm -hmm. and then I decided to learn and went to workshop to workshop and the last workshop they told me 
We teach you only if you go out at least 20 times. Wow. That is how I really began. Told myself, okay, I have to go out 20 times. And each time I went out, I tried something new. And when you go out, instead of asking yourself, will people laugh or not, you ask, if I do that, how it will be, or if I tell that, how it will be. It takes a lot less uh, stage fright. Instead, you feel, okay, I'm doing an experiment. And then people are, uh, see you happy and confident. They feel a lot better about what you tell. And they laugh. I learned that they laugh with me, not at me. Yes. Even when I tell them, you know, I lost three teeth, front teeth, and it is very cute <laughs> to have front teeth missing, but only when you are seven years old, not when you are 77. <laughs> they laugh with me and not at me. <laughs> and then whatever happens to me feel less sad, less tragic. And when I broke my leg six months ago, I told to doctors, you know, um, I was um, voted the division governor and too many people told me, break your leg. <laughs> and my stupid Hungarian leg thought that literally, took it literally. <laughs> so you can make fun from everything which arrives. Yeah, we have to be very careful when we say someone break your leg. I did it myself so sometime. I did I said to, to some guys just for courage, break your leg. <laughs> yeah. In in French you it is more easy, but I will not repeat now. <laughs> Julie, could you share with us your favorite quotation? Yes, uh, I do believe you are never too old to begin something new or to learn something new. It is not true that you cannot teach all dogs new tricks. You can. You can learn a lot and uh, experiment new things. Yeah, that's a great lesson. Could you recommend us one book that has inspired you and you think our listeners should read it? Yeah, the book I recommend to most people because I believe very much in it, is The Power of Personal Storytelling by Maguire, Jack Maguire. And I have that book and others listened, explained what you can learn from them in my blog, Competent Communicator. Yes, I will share this information in the show notes of this episode so our listeners can, can see also the links to your Flickr uh, page and your blog and, and everything so they will read. Thank you for Wonder. sharing this. <laughs> Thank you. Julie, we are almost at the end of the interview, but now we'd like for us to share us 
a routine to shine, could you share with us an exercise, something practical that you recommend to do it daily or weekly as a routine to shine? Yes, thank you, Oscar. I think the most important, one of the most important, other than open yourself up and be vulnerable, is the power of pause. Pause before you speak, look at the audience eyes, pause before a punchline, pause after an important point. Even audience who speak with one each other, when you pause, would look at you mm -hmm. and you have them. So the pause is something very easy to try and very powerful. Just dare to pause long enough and use it to look at people, which the audience, to each other, not too fast, pause and look each in eye until some sign comes from them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. Thank you very much. Julie, this has been uh, so inspiring and so fun at the same time. A unique experience, a unique interview. Thank you for sharing your life lessons. We, we wish you continue doing gigs. When is your next gig? In December. Oh, which city? In uh, Lon New Cross, London. Thank you. So and I'll try, if possible, to video it, but I have also video of some of old vlogs in my competent communicators. Yeah, thank you very much. The, the lucky guys who are in, in London, so please don't miss it. So Julie, thank you very much. I, I, sh I wish you continue doing gigs and, and, and having fun in Toastmastering in the photograph and everything and inspiring people all over the world. And it's time to say goodbye. How to talk Thank to you, you soon. Oscar. Thank you, Oscar, for a wonderful interview. Thanks to you. Have a nice day. Bye. Dear listeners of Time to Shine, this is the end of today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or for more information, visit our website www.timetoshinepodcast.com. Welcome to listen to us again next week.